0: Occasional randomness, I'm your host, Eric Scott, and join me, as always, my fellow co-host, somebody who makes it a habit to stay away from dangerous radiation, Jason Johnson.
1: So, to be honest, I'm not actually feeling that well. Uh, hopefully I can make it through the episode, but I did have to get up and shut that door earlier, and it's just getting to me. So.
0: You're a little clammy, your is starting to fall out.
1: Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> it's one of my few features I have left. Yeah.
0: Tonight, we'll be continuing our rewatch of Farscape. And we'll be reviewing and discussing Season 3, Episode 15, Infinite Possibilities, Part 2, Icarus Abides. And then after that, we will cover the rest of Secret Invasion Season 1, and probably the last and only season, with Episodes 5 and 6. But more on that as we get there. Yep, stay tuned. And as always, our public service announcement. If you like what we do, please give us a like or review wherever you listen to this fine podcast at or better yet, help spread the word and let people know about us so that they will join us as well.
1: We would appreciate it as always. Yeah. Shout out to the five people who are listening, but, you know, spread the word. Yeah. Make it 10. Let's go. Let's double our <laughs>
0: double the audience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Aim high.
0: Yeah. All right. So the second part of the two-part epic Farscape Season 3, Episode 15, Infinite Possibilities Part 2, Icarus Abides. And since this is part two, we pick up right where part one left off, oddly enough, where Aaron is still pointing the gun to Scorpius John's head. He manages to knock it away and get to his feet, but she pulls out her own pulse pistol and holds him at bay for a little while as he taunts her in an attempt to get her to shoot him. Now that finally does work, and just as she's pulling the trigger, Jack pushes her aside, saying that the clone is dying and it wants her to shoot so that Crichton dies too. Scorpius John tells Aaron to be more decisive next time and shoot quicker and then the clone quote unquote dies and Crichton is back the real Kryten. Uh well or i guess in this case this real Crichton, not the other real Crichton that's on moya but you know anyway more on that here in a minute and he and aaron hug oh then we cut over back to talon uh, where Krace is telling stark that something is wrong and they should check the docking bay controls and airlocks stark tells Krace that bay two recently performed atmospheric replenishment as if it had been opened but they landed their pod in bay one and, of course, Raffi says that suddenly Iskarin bursts through into command, sending Krayton Stark to the ground. Back on the planet, as Krayton and Aaron are talking, Furlow returns with more of Jack's equipment that he has for, last episode. He wants some better equipment, and they send Furlow off to search the base for it. Then uh, Jack unlocks Krayton's wormhole information in his head, and says that Krayton's mind needs time to process all the equation. Then uh, the base comes back under attack because Rigel is unconscious and wounded back in the gun turret, so now the charreds have kind of a free reign now. Back on Talon, the Scarren recognizes Talon is a peacekeeper vessel and tries to get information about that from Kreis, but Stark, thinking quickly, steps in and tells the Scarren how Kreis stole Talon and that he's just Kreis' slave. Nothing more, just a harmless little slave. He asks the Scarren to kill Kreis so he can serve the Scarren instead, but the Scarren orders Kreis to make the ship operational. And back on the planet, Kreis doesn't really feel if anything's been unlocked in his head, but when Jack asks him some questions and asks for an oscillation dampener, Creighton instantly hands him something that can be modified to work that way, before realizing that there's no way he could have known that before. So that confirms that the information is slowly surfacing in his mind. Outside the base, the chariots are cont- continuing to fire from a distance, when Aaron kills a chariot trying to get into the turret to get Rigel. Rigel tells her that he was injured by shrapnel from a mortar, so she wants to take over, but he disagrees, and she's still mobile and can run around and shoot people, and he can't really can't. But, being Roger, he asked for food to keep him going, of course.
1: Really, he just needed some takeout delivered.
0: So. Yeah, you know, get your, get your Uber Eats, get it right there. You're good. Aaron Eats. Anyway. <laughs> uh, back in the base, Crichton's beginning to make sense of all the wormhole information and asks Jack what they're building. And then he asks Jack how far he's going to go to clean up the pieces, saying that would he kill him, Furlow and Aaron. Jack says, no, Aaron's no threat. He's not sure of Furlow yet, and he no longer doubts Crichton's intentions at all. And Jack then says he needs a quarter of an RN to finish the device, but asks everybody to stay clear as to not be exposed to the radiation from the device. Hmm. Hmm. Shadowing of future events. Cried and Aaron go to recheck the perimeter, and Furlow brings Jack the remaining materials he wanted, and Jack says he's not yet finished the initial reaction, but when he does, there's no emergency shutdown. After 1.4 Rns, that's specific, the device will melt down and be destroyed, so Jack only has one chance... And he'll fly the module to start the wormhole weapon. So he asks Furlow to leave, but instead, she turns and shoots him. Oops. So yeah, I guess he wasn't sure of Furlough after all. And then she signals, uh, and two chairs descend from the ceiling. I guess they were hiding up there all this time, maybe? I don't know. She tells them that she had to kill Jack because he wouldn't have cooperated with them. And so then she says she wants to fly the module now, but the chairs don't quite trust her anymore since she's allowed too many of them to die by waiting too long to get all this taken care of as they're all getting blown away outside, and they're not really sure what her loyalties are at this point. Meanwhile, Crichton and Aaron have heard that gunfire and run back to the room. Furlow says that the had snuck in, and although she killed them, they also got Jack. Jack reverts to his true form and dies as Crichton vows to finish the weapon. And unbeknownst to anybody else, uh, they just send Furlow off to check on her booby traps, thinking that she's no threat whatsoever. And Aaron tells Crichton that he has to finish the device. Back on Talon, Stark tells Kreis that Talon's sensors are slowly recovering, and once they return, he can target and kill the Skarran. Kreis says that it would require too much continued fire, but the Skarran returns. Stark tells him that the neural transponder is the best way to operate the ship since there's no pilot. Krace tells Stark to get Talon to prepare two transponders, one for him and one for the Skarran. Aaron goes back to Crichton, who is remembering the final pieces of the wormhole information, and he says that he finally knows what this weapon will do. And it could actually destroy a whole planet, not just the Skrander Dreadnought. But I guess the good news, if that's any good news, is it will self-destruct after one use. Then Furlow returns, and Aaron goes to seal a hole that Furlow found. Uh huh. Wink, wink. That she says might be how the chariots got in before. Back on Talon, the Skrander tells Stark that he wants the transponder soon. And meanwhile, Furlow asks Crichton who else has the device that he's building, and when he says nobody, she remarks how valuable it could be. Uh huh. Crichton says that the Skarens have their data, so they must be destroyed, and asks her to clear a launch path for the shuttle. Aaron goes back outside and joins Rigel, and is wondering why the Charids haven't squeezed them into a crossfire yet, since they outnumber them. And meanwhile, back in the landing bay, Crichton finds Frillo trying to drive away with the device, and she gets him at gunpoint to drop his weapon, destroys his goggles, and says that she will go meet the Dreadnought.
1: Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> exactly.
0: So she opens the door, revealing a flare, which almost blinds Crichton, because... Her goggles were destroyed, and she drives away. Outside, Rachel and Aaron see Furlow's escape and Crichton running to a stranded vehicle. Aaron puts two and two together, uh, runs out and joins Crichton, and they follow Furlough, And on the way, Aaron asks Crichton if she can use, if he can use his new knowledge to return to Earth. When he says yes, she says that when they have finally finished their business here, they will go to Earth together. And uh, as they're tooling about the desert, there they're also tailed by some chariots. So Aaron jumps out the vehicle, dropping a mine behind her to take out the chariot and then of course doesn't kill the driver so the, she, she kills the driver when he gets out and goes for his gun meanwhile creighton's continuing the chase managing to turn over furlough's vehicle they kind of stand off with their guns drawn at each other and furlough says that she won't leave without weapon then a flare hits and Furlow takes down Crichton, who's still blinded because he has no goggles back on talon the skirin wants that transpor- transponder now so craze gets talon to stick the hand of friendship remember that into the back of his head to hold him as Talon fires from two sides simultaneously until the Skerrin finally dies. But Stark does save Kreis from being caught in the crossfire because Talon's just shooting everybody he can just get his hands on. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the planet, the device has been knocked off Furlow's vehicle when it rolled over and it's been activated and the casing is open, causing it to emit radiation at periodic intervals. Crichton says that it will be useless by the time the Dreadnought arrives and he needs to close the casing, but to do so he risks exposure. Furlow tries to argue against it and says they both have to leave, and tries to get Crichton not to be a hero and just walk away. Crichton says he can't do that, so Furlow drives off. Crichton then carefully approaches the device and tries to time his attempt to avoid the radiation. Unfortunately, it does not work, and just before the casing is closed, he's exposed to a fatal amount of radiation. Now knowing he's to die soon regardless of what happens, he's devastated, as, well, yeah, as you probably expect. Yeah. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> Aaron arrives, and she and Crichton return to the base. Meanwhile, Krace contacts Crichton and Aaron, and Crichton says that they have one shot at this, and calls for Krace to pick up Rigel and get to Talon and Starburst immediately. Surprisingly, Krace refuses, and Krace asks what he can do. Crichton tells him to lure the Scarns in line with the wormhole that he will create soon. As he's telling Krace that, when he's done, he kind of falls off the module and kisses Aaron. Uh, she's kind of concerned, says, asks what's wrong, and he re- it does kind of fess up that he was exposed to the massive dose of radiation. He couldn't stop it so she tries to take over flying the module but Crichton says no she can't do it she doesn't know what to do and he has no time to try and talk her through it and besides it's only half intuition anyway only something that he would know aaron says that she loves him and he says i'll be back so Crichton launches the module and then craig sends a message to the dreadnought to lure it towards talon aaron meanwhile plants explosives all over furlough's base to blow it to smithereens once and for all A uh, solar flare comes and Crichton creates a wormhole Talon is targeted by the Scarns as Eren blows the base up. And then she and Rage wait in the turret for it to get picked up when it's all over. On the module, Crichton starts the displacement engine. And Kreis sends the Scarns a message of surrender and gets Talon to draw them in. As everybody watches, Crichton completes linking the wormhole with the star. The wormhole fills up with the star's energy and shoots it towards the dreadnought, completely destroying it. Boom. Boom. Big boom. Kreis and Stark are left shocked at witnessing the sheer power of a wormhole weapon. Aaron calls out for Crichton and to her relief, he's still there. He was not destroyed. He said that he told her he would come back. Back on Talon, Crichton is in the final stages of radiation poisoning and is lying in bed near death. Kreis enters the room and says that Talon's radiation treatment should... But Crichton cuts him off and says that he knows nothing else can be done. Kreis says that his sacrifice does not go unnoticed and Crichton tells him to find the better part of himself and take care of the others. Kreis says his goodbyes and leaves. Crichton turns to Rigel and says that he cannot have his stuff after they both laugh Rachel says it'll be hard not to think of him, with Crichton adding that he will miss Rachel. When Rachel leaves, Crichton convulses and Stark goes to him and soothes him with his energy. As Stark removes his hand, Crichton pulls it back onto his forehead and Stark leaves. Alone with Aaron, Aaron tells Crichton that she's angry, but they had good times. Crichton says that he wouldn't change it for the world and says that she made him a better person. She says that she loves him so much and he does too. She would have gone to Earth and he says that he is sorry that she never got to meet his real dad and he never got to meet hers either. He says that he is sorry about a lot of things but she says that he doesn't want him to go that way. He says that now Scorpius is gone, he's at peace and he doesn't hurt anymore. He tells her that he did some good things and is proud of his life when he's with her. She kisses him and then he tells her not to worry, he's never felt better and then passes away. Aaron, filled with emotion, gets under the covers and snuggles up next to him. The end. All right, some trivia about this second parter. Uh, The race between the dune buggies was originally scripted as a battle between starfighters, but before that was filmed, they decided that more action should take place on the planet. Claudia Black expressed relief that Bren Browder had experienced driving rally cars, apparently, as she was standing on the dune buggy while it was being driven close to 100 kilometers per hour, or like 60 miles an hour for you two countries that still use the imperial system.
1: Good, I was confused there for a minute.
0: Lenny Tupu injured his hand while playing Kreese as blind, but continued until the scene was over before having it treated. Ian Watson, the director, describes the five seconds where Aaron realizes Crichton has died as the finest thing he's worked on in the show's first three seasons. The part of the episode where John tells Rachel he can't have his stuff is a reference all the way back to Premiere, the first episode of Farscape, and every other time that someone's left or passed away that Rachel's tried to steal their stuff.
1: Or ate lunch for too long. Right. (laughs)
0: And this episode breaks the pattern established so far during most of the season of alternating between the two crews. All right, so the exciting conclusion of our two-parter. What'd you think, Jason?
1: Yeah, so we continue the excellent streak of a multi-part episodes with this one. Uh, I really enjoyed the storyline as a whole. Uh, This kind of makes up for some of my confusion from the last one. I felt I was a lot more lost during the first half, but the second half just kind of was a great straight flow. I did have a few nitpicks which we'll probably get to as I we walk through some of the more details but overall this was like a really fun uh, storyline and episode it sad at the end but you know, uh, enjoyable I thought yeah I mean like, like the first episode it was pretty much action packed from start to finish
0: you know then you have your pauses between little set pieces to like kind of regroup and move the plot along and then back to more action <laughs> so yeah, overall it was pretty good as you'll hear as we talk about it
1: yeah surprise we like multi-parters.
0: Yeah, yeah. so far it's not been a really bad
1: multi part episode of Farscape.
0: All right, so I guess I might as well jump back to the beginning. So, you know, nice fake out by Harvey. I guess, you know, he knew he was pretty much dying, so why not get Aaron to take out both him and Crichton in the, in the same time and, you know, be done with it? Almost worked. He almost got away with it. She did fire, but if it wasn't, it wasn't for Jack being in there, that would have been it.
1: Yeah, which would have been an interesting way to do the send off, too. Oops. Yeah,
0: right. Oh, sorry, I plucked you in the head. <laughs> so- and then it's kind of funny how he told her next time shoot quicker. Yeah. But Hey, at least we still have Harvey and the other, now only Crichton's head. So, Hey, more Harvey yet to come.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I started kind of thinking here how interesting it would be to see the two Crichtons interact now that one has no Harvey and one does. So, you know, you could kind of play that off as, you know, how, that, how would that interaction be? But I guess we don't get to see that with not one, but two deaths in this episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, alas poor Harvey. but yeah okay oh, oh and, three guys and, 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 and Crichton. yeah yeah because we we whacked jack too so you know. yeah
1: there were three actors
0: and uh, i think last time i said there's like nice nice foreshadowing with on talon where they said something was wrong with the docking controls or docking bay or whatever um no there's nothing wrong at all just a visitor harmless harmless visitor nothing to see here <laughs> oops
1: <laughs> yeah i totally forgot about that so that was kind of funny when it oh that's what that was
0: yeah, cause you kind of thought, like, you know, oh, maybe there's something, if he's damaged or their systems are wrong, I'm like, well, no, probably something, you know, you to have a friend here in a minute. He was really blind. <laughs> yeah. And I guess since that subplot was kind of not critical to the episode, let's just kind of I guess, blow through that and get to the tragic bits here later. So I think Stark you know, got a little more to do than normal. Uh, you know, he got to play, play act like he's still a slave and, you know, un- unthreatening and just a harmless, you know, don't bother me. Don't, don't, you know, I'm just here. Don't, you know, I'll do anything you want. And the Skirin bought it. And I guess probably since he thought Kreis was the peacekeeper, which I guess he was ex-peacekeeper, so close enough, you know, thought that he was more of the threat. And uh, they managed to delay things long enough for Talon to get mostly repaired, or at least good enough to get the his weapons working, which, why does Talon have weapons like in the command room I mean I, I guess it makes sense because you know a lot of these TV shows you know they go right to the bridge take over the bridge and they take over the ship so okay let's have some weapons there in case you know someone tries to take over the bridge right so that makes sense to me in some respects but it's just kind of funny of why they always have those in there and they always come out to shoot people and they don't you know at well, least this time they actually did shoot somebody
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's a gunship so you have to have guns on the bridge of a gunship it's 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 in the you know manual or contract or something somewhere either way yeah like on on the
0: bridge you know like in in the crew quarters like in the in the lounge like what
1: (laughs) yeah you know it's it's one of those things that you know this is my kitchen gun this is my you know dining room gun this is my library gun this is my bridge gun it's just kind of the way it works so i think my one thing here is yeah i I probably haven't said this before but stark probably really doesn't like crace i'm not sure he was acting the whole time because we were introduced to him he was a captive aboard crace's um, command, and it's a good opportunity for him to be, you know, a slave or a captive, uh, working for Kreis. So I just kind of found that interesting. I was like, maybe he's really like wants to wants to get him shot here, you know? <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he did say, you know, if if you kill Kreis, I'll just serve you. So it's like, if we would follow through with it, then I guess, yeah. oh well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really could have just turned around and shot Kreis right then. So you know,
0: yeah, it's like, you know, I know all about talent. I can help you out. Okay, boom. You know, <laughs> so.
1: right okay make me the pilot we're good
0: yeah here's how you fly the ship great all right good luck and okay so enough of that plot line okay (laughs) so back to the fun bit so i I did i do love how they did the wormhole knowledge being unlocked in Crichton's head because if you think about it that that kind really does make sense right it's not like the matrix where like neo's like i know kung fu after having it downloaded into his head like it's just there and when you have to use it you can recall it just like real life so you know good job to the writers or whoever that came up with that one
1: I agreed. Although he didn't remember it, like I usually have to remember things, which is where I sit there and stare at something for a half hour before I remember something I was supposed to have learned last week. So,
0: yeah, I had a training class on that two years ago. Uh, I don't remember anything about that.
1: Yeah, hold on a second. Let me Google it. Yeah,
0: and then we have, I guess, the big twist of the episode where Furlow betrays everybody and tries to steal wormhole in the wormhole weapon. Although I guess that's kind of what her, been her whole deal last episode too, trying to get it. Her and Crichton to go off together with knowledge. I guess now the knowledge is, is owned by the Scarns. You know, hey, we got the, we got the actual product. Hey, guys, you know. But you know, and of course, adding to that betrayal, not only does she shoot and kill Jack, which I didn't see coming, but she's still working with the Charids. although she thinks she is. They, however, have a to- totally different opinion <laughs> <laughs> and uh, don't really care for her anymore since she kind of stiffed them, so to speak, uh, by dragging this thing out too long and. I don't know how many untold legions of chariots died out there with Rigel blasting them all the time. So, you know, now it's just back to what she does best. Look out for herself and still manages to completely fool Aaron and Crichton who just think somehow the chariots got in on their own and killed people. I don't know.
1: I I kind of felt bad for her uh, overall, at least to start, you know, because no matter what her play is, it didn't work out. She tried to do snowball Crichton to begin with when they got there. And then they, they had the issue with, you know, she, she, got the chariots back in, but then they don't trust her. And then, you know, she, I don't know, just no matter what her play is, she did not make out on this job, but she shot Jack. And so, you know, after that, not so much, because that was one of my favorite characters on this show. So,
0: Yeah. So, you know, she's still alive and she probably escaped. So yeah, if there's a, a part three you know, or, you know, the, you know, the third episode with furlough, it's probably not going to go so well for her next time.
1: Yeah. It's a side note, we didn't know they're Jack impersonating Alien, because I like having that guy on the show.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess we'll see how powerful they are or aren't if he shows back up again. I don't know. We'll see. And then later, I guess as Aaron's outside going, hey, how come they're not really att- you know pressing their advantage? Oh, there goes Furlough. Oh, there goes John. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> and uh, I guess the, the the chariots outside didn't get the memo from the ones inside about not trusting Furlough anymore, because they tried to help her escape, which of course led to some nice buggy chase scenes and battle scenes which i guess must have been fun to shoot probably real fun for ben because who knew he had rally car experience i didn't know that which again nice to see the actors getting to use their non-acting talents like we saw two episodes ago with tammy and Gigi, you know doing their gymnastics and fire twirling that you know who knew
1: right yeah I, i bet it was a lot more fun filming experience than green screening it and um I also agree that I think this was a better, that the the buggies were a lot better than doing the starfighter stuff because it made the, the module wormhole scenes a lot better later, right? When you get to kind of focus on just that, if we'd been in space for a long time, it would have been less, I think, dramatic to to do that jump.
0: So, yeah. And plus where they got the starfighters from, I guess they would have been in Furlow's base and they just hopped in them, I guess, but they just cut all that part out, you yeah, know? So I don't yeah. know, but yeah, it's like they weren't there before. So yeah, don't,
1: that would have been weird if they toss that in there. Yeah, that was her third betrayal because originally they were like, had no way to escape, right, from the uh, mm-hmm. dreadnought. And then, I, nope, never mind. We actually got some, some starfighters sitting around here somewhere. So, yeah, we could have left.
0: Yeah. yeah, like we said, little Bales. So, yeah, once the device gets active and it's open, well, you know, the clock's ticking now. So that's it. She realizes, you know, there's no profit that she can make from this. So she splits. Although she does try to warn Crichton, don't be the hero and, and let's go. But of course. You know, Crichton is the hero, so he has to stay. And unfortunately, as we learn, he had really bad timing and got the fatal dose of radiation because, I guess he mistimed the pulses there or it just changed, whatever. And then obviously you can't really hide that from Aaron too long since he knows she wants to pilot the ship and she won't be able to. So that's a nice scene in the launch bay between them and trying to, you know, don't go, I have to go, you know, I can do it. No, you can't do it. You know, we'll come back. Okay, I'll come back.
1: Yeah, which seemed a, lot, a little dramatic for the fact that he did come back, but I get that. It does lead us to my nitpick for the episode, though, which was I wish that radiation scene had had a little bit more to it or been explained a little bit better. Because for such a pivotal moment, I, I thought it was a little unclear what was happening, you know, on that he was getting dosed with radiation. might have just been me, but that was when I was like, oh, that was what's supposed to have happened there after they kind of explained it later. I was a little little off on that one.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like more like, I guess he had to get it from his face, like, you know, there's the flash, he's like, he's kind of like, I guess the look on his face is like, oh, darn.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it was more that I'd forgotten the the throwaway bit about the radiation earlier. And so I, it didn't sink into me. I was like, I knew something had happened, but it didn't sink into me later that, oh, no, that's like fatal radiation level. Like, that was the moment he knew he was dead, right?
0: Yeah, because I guess he knows what it can do, right? So he would know that it's fatal versus oh, it's got like a little dose or something. Because now he yeah. has the knowledge now. So
1: now my hair is gonna fall out, but I'll be okay. Nope, not quite.
0: So. Yeah. And then after hinting at it for at least this season, maybe some of last season, we finally get to see what a wormhole weapon can actually do, or at least one case of it. I don't know if there's different uses of a of a weapon, a wormhole weapon. This one at least apparently siphons off part of the nearby star's plasma and throws it wherever you want. In this case, the Scaran and Red Knot. Although he did say it could destroy a whole planet. And yeah, I guess if you peel off part of a star, yeah, you can pretty much wipe out planets and whatever. So you know, all the more reason to stop, stop Scorpius from finishing his research,
1: which I'm sure will come up in future episodes. It definitely added some direness to the warning about the wormhole tech, right? Because, you know, as we said, yeah, everybody kind of was like in shock and awe of just exactly what that could do. So, like you said, you definitely don't want Scorpius to have that capability. So, Or do we, depending on how bad the Skarens are? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> their ships are, what, like, you know, what, five or s- ten times bigger than a, a
0: Peacekeeper command carrier or something like that, they said? So, well, yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> you want the big guns, right? So, yeah.
1: and That's about the biggest one we've seen in this universe.
0: Because, yeah. So. yeah, I was thinking maybe they would be like, like the wormhole itself would be the weapon. Not, I mean, I guess it was because it, it, it shot, the star at them. But I mean, it was more like it, like you open a wormhole like next to the ship or under a ship and would like draw them into it. And of course, because they don't have the shielding, they would, you know, liquefy and die. Right. That, that's what I thought it
1: would be. So this is much more cooler,
0: <laughs> I guess. Than, yeah. In than my, than my opinion. So.
1: Or, or, you know, just the fact that you can jump and surprise and you can't keep, you know, you can't see anybody coming because they can just jump in behind you and drop bombs and jump out. You know I mean? Wormholes have a lot of tactical, but this is like, no, we can actually like make it shoot suns at you
0: uh. yeah. and looks much cooler on
1: special effects. True.
0: And then finally at the end, we get all our, all our touchy feels in love, uh, touching vignettes with each of the characters between Crichton and everybody left on Talon. I, I guess Crichton and Krace kind of have seemed to, I guess, bury the hatchet, so to speak, and to kind of forgive each other. I guess we'll see if Krace really does find the better part of himself. Uh, although I guess that's kind of a motivator, you know, your arch nemesis gives his life for all of you guys. It's kind of a time to self-reflect and maybe realize you've been in a real a-hole and <laughs> change your ways. We'll see. Yeah. We get the running joke that, uh, you know, Crichton tells Rogel he can't have his stuff, which as we said before, every time you look sideways, Rogel's stealing people's stuff.
1: Although technically now it's the other John's stuff, so. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah. True. So it's not really his to take. It's, you know, first John's got first dibs. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> And uh, the Stark thing—I mean, I got the one part where he's like, he's—he's he's healing or he's—he's he's soothing Crichton, you know. Um, but I guess then, he, I guess he's—that was like his way of saying, you know, thank you or whatever. And then he—he you know, he left. Okay. Yeah. He didn't help him cross over, but I guess maybe they did help him hang around a little bit longer so he could talk to Aaron. Which, of course, lastly, of course, him and Aaron alone, which is—that's where the real emotion of all this kind of hit me, as they intended to. Even though we know there's another Crichton out there, it's not the one that. You know has had this deep of a relationship with aaron and if you think about it like this Crichton at the end before the radiation part had it all he had the knowledge of how to get home right he could take aaron with him to live happily ever after and no harvey in his head so there that, that's the trifecta right there he got all three right there and now we've just tossed all that in the disposal and gotta start all over again maybe when aaron gets back to moya if she even wants to at this point, given all that happened, like why go through all that again with other Crichton? So, you know, future drama.
1: In our discussion at the end of the last episode, uh, you know, we were doing our future predictions and I think you, you totally called this one, right? That um, this was going to be John falling, trying too close to the sun. I, I was kind of hoping the entire time that we would get end up with a merged Crichton when the crew got back together, right? Because you've got the the two different experiences, as you said, and it kind of goes, could make that back into one person. But once the knowledge was unlocked, you know, I, I kind of just saw the clock ticking because you can't have knowledge of the way to get home. Otherwise, where's the show go? Yeah, you know, he can't, uh, he just go home. So that, that definitely put a ticking clock on that character and that we couldn't get that merged k- Crichton, uh, which is kind of sad because, you know, this was my preferred Crichton across the board. I kind of feel like the other one's kind of a jerk. So, <laughs> um, probably just the way they interact and the storylines, but I've not been happy with, as happy with that crew and the way Crichton acts as I have with this one. And, and you definitely called it that, you know, we're, I was, I was thinking about this one. I've got done watching the episode for a while, that they're in for some serious issues with Aaron, because I don't know if we've actually said how long the crews have been apart, but there's been a lot of history built up in time between this John and, and Aaron, right? And now Yes, she still has another John, but he's got no memory of anything that she remembers. So, you know, every conversation they have, he's going to have a different history than she's had with John. So anyway, very, very interesting things for them to play off of in the future.
0: Yeah, because if he wants to try to now bring up something or try to progress that relationship, she's like, I did all this before and you died. I'm not doing it again. You know, so she's gonna be so standoffish in, you know, how you would think, you know, just being psychological here. You know, that's what her actions should be. Not like, oh, you're, oh, you're back. We, you know, so it's like, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but I mean, and that's, you know, to your point. Yeah. I mean, if, if this Crichton did live, then yeah. What's the point of the rest of the show? It's like, oh, see ya. And then, you know, you can't take two Crichtons back. It's like, Hey dad, look, it's your twin son, (laughs) (laughs) you know?
1: So. My two two kids. Yeah. So that'd be really weird. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I imagine how many times if they do end up together, which I'm assuming that as the show progresses on, we'll get Crichton and Aaron back together again just the other Crichton but how many times is she going to bring something up like remember that time we did x and it'd be like oh no that was the other that wasn't <laughs> you that was my other boyfriend you you know yeah right <laughs> so, just just some interesting possibilities there yeah no it's definitely a good way to
0: you know increase the drama which that's what you want in a sci-fi drama show you want drama so there you go all right anything else before we get into what's next
1: no, overall, think, like, yeah.
0: like we said, you know, they always do the multi-part is fantastic. This was no exception. It was amazing. Two episodes of Farscape, one of the better ones of the season, and that's in the season where you kill off one of your major characters. So, you know, good job topping that one by killing off another major character, <laughs> but having a backup one already there. So, hey, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna kill off three characters in one show, which we kind of joked about earlier. You know, two of them have backups. Three, well. There's a backup Harvey and you still got Scorpius. So that actor's got like work coming out of his ears. He's, he's silent, but um, yeah, it, it, I guess we're down to one John, one Harvey, one Scorpius and no Jacks. Yeah, maybe, although you know, we don't know what kind of powers he might have, but yeah,
0: yeah I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I guess his his job's been done. He, he's not going to show up again and be like, hey, Crichton, here's some knowledge again. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's like, wait, didn't I already give you knowledge before? Wait, who are you? Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Well, ta- technically, the other one has the knowledge. It's just locked. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll
0: come out on its own naturally as opposed to him forcing it because he had to. So. Right. And then the show's over because he go home. So, you know, like we said before. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right, so before we jump into the Secret Invasion, uh, we're going to tell you what we're going to do next for Escape. So if you don't want to listen to the secret invasion part after this, you can stop here after we tell you what's up next. Which is, oddly enough, after episode fifteen will be episode sixteen of season three, Revenging Angel. And uh our usual guessing game of what does that mean? I got no clue. Uh other than Frellos at the top of Aaron's hit list. Um, However, we just had two episodes with this crew, so we have to get back to the Moya crew we're
1: not gonna have three episodes of the talon crew in a row that'd be silly unless they want to go back to the same even odd schedule in which case it wouldn't be yeah although from
0: you know because that's what you want you know you want people to to be like oh my god john's dead what's gonna happen and then they cut the other crew where they don't know anything is going on so to get people even more upset that you know and more people like watching to see what's gonna happen when they finally do get back together so it's gotta be something with moya's crew and we got at least one more episode to wait before we get back to aaron Although, if they want to be funny about it, they could give the Moya crew two episodes they gave, like they gave the Talon crew and really string things out and make people mad. But <laughs> we'll see. But probably not. Probably go back to the alternating... I mean, at some point now, they have to get back together. I mean, the reason to be separate is done. The two Crichtons is over. But next time it will be Moya and probably the one after that will be Talon rejoining everybody in the fallout from that, I would think.
1: Yeah, because obviously you don't want to go too long with no Crichton on the second wing, so... Yeah, the funny part about this is after a two-parter, I don't remember where we left the other crew anyway. Uh, P- Pleasure Planet? I, I, am I missing an episode? I can't remember. So uh, I guess I'll, we'll get back into the swing of things next next episode. So uh, I got nothing either. Yeah, I think that's where they were with the
0: Crichton story that Pilot wasn't buying. Yeah. But we'll find out. All right, so that is your homework for the Farscape part next time. And stay tuned after the musical theme interlude for our recap of the last two episodes of Secret Invasion.
1: All right. I I picture the Wayne's World.
0: I could do that. That's sampleable on the internet. I can record that. But yeah, so we'll do a little recap here of the last two episodes of secret invasion episodes five and six and then give a quick well, a quick recap and we'll discuss what we thought about both episodes so we want to do the first one
1: yep let's let's jump ahead into episode five harvest so following their attack their failed attack on Ritsen, the rebels start to lose faith in gravic for not killing fury and his perceived deception towards them a new recruit named Beto leads a small group in mounting a mutiny, but Gravik kills them all. Yeah, remember, superpowers and all that? Yeah. Oops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, know your enemy or whatever didn't work out. Uh, meanwhile, Fury gets rits into a hospital and confronts Rava, but she reveals that she has leaked footage of Hill's death, placing Fury on a global watch list. Fury later meets with Gaia, who reveals that Gravik is looking for the Harvest. After exposing her superior... Derek Weatherby as a scroll, Fallsworth locates Dr. Rosa Dalton, another disguised scroll, and questions her about Gravik's DNA machine. Back to Raba, she shows Ritson's pictures of Gravik's Russian base, new scrollos to implicate Russia as scroll sympathizers, and advises a strike on the compound. Meanwhile, Gravik calls Fury, offering to call off the strike if he brings him the harvest in person. Jump to Gaia and Vera holding off a funeral for Talos. And then they fend off an attack by Gravik's men. Then we jump to Finland, where Fury leads Falsworth to a grave marked with his name, which contains the Harvest. Uh, turns out that's a collection of DNA from the superheroes who fought during the Battle of Earth, which was the, the fight in Avengers Endgame. Fury takes the Harvest and prepares to confront Gravik.
0: And then we have the exciting question mark, oh, foreshadowing, <laughs> finale, <laughs> Episode 6, Home. Where Fury confronts Gravik at New Skrullis, gives him the Harvest, and asks that he spare Earth and conquer other planets instead. Gravik refuses before using the Harvest to empower himself and attempts to kill Fury, but only to learn that no, it's not Fury; it's a disguised guy instead, who also got hit or imbued in- in- with the Harvest. The two of them fight, with the guy eventually killing Gravik. So, so much for extremists when you blow a hole through your chest. Meanwhile, Rava successfully convinces Ritson to authorize a nuclear strike on New Skrullis, but is tricked by Falzworth into arranging for Ritson's evacuation. Rava attempts to retaliate, but is killed by fury. Ritson, realizing that he's now a Skrull, calls off the strike, allowing Gaia to free Gravik's human prisoners such as Ross and Rhodes. Those guys aren't dead after all. And in the aftermath, Ritson issues a new bill declaring all off-world species as hostile forces and threatens to hunt them down and kill all the remaining scrolls on Earth. Which causes, uh, as you would expect, some unrest as civilians publicly murder various high profile officials for fear that they might be scrolls. Fallsworth, meanwhile, meets with Guy and proposes a partnership to protect the scrolls against Ritson's bill. And after cautioning Ritson about said unrest that he caused, Fury asks Vara, his wife, to come to Saber with him to help negotiate a peace summit that the Kree are going to have with the scrolls. And she agrees, and they leave Earth together. Aww. Aww. Happily ever after, after? Question? No. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of Secret Invasion, probably the only season. So what do you think? Did they bring it home or leave more answer questions?
1: So I, I've probably said this before when we were talking about this uh, and, and a lot of the Marvel shows, but I just wish it was longer, especially in this one. Yeah, you know, we only got, what, six episodes? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we just did episodes five and six. So yeah, six episodes. And um, they're all no more than like 40 minutes at the max. I mean, they're all like yeah. half hour-ish shows, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really short, and they they just needed more fallout, right? We needed more drama. We needed more fallout. We needed more gravity to what's happening. Uh, you know, this is a spy drama thriller, right? That was what they were going for with the the Fury angle, and it, it felt more like the intro, right? I think I feel like I just read the the prologue to it to a good book, and now it's like, where's the book? I I didn't get the rest of it, so. Yeah. Yeah, just just incomplete, maybe is the word I'm looking for here. Not sure where they're going. I, I'm not. I, I don't know. I I felt let down by the end. Started strong, and I felt let down by the end.
0: Yeah, because like by episode five, which I liked. I mean, you know, everything was going. Like, you know, they they're building up for an exciting conclusion. You know, Fury's back in the game now. He's finally got got the groove back. Looks like it's gonna be like a wild finale. And I guess they kind of only half delivered for me. I guess we'll get into that here (laughs) shortly.
1: Yeah. I mean, not to to jump ahead. We'll we'll definitely get more into it. But that that little bit where Fury's like gearing up, right? He's hitting all the secret compartments and and doing all the cool spy stuff. And it's like, okay, we're there. We're going to actually get a good payoff. And even then, though, I had the back of my mind, like, there's one episode. There's 30 minutes left of this show. There's no way they're going to get everything wrapped up. And that's how I felt when it ended, too. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because like in episode 5, you know, it looks like graphics plans or lack of results of plans is finally getting his people to start questioning him, right? So they do a almost good job trying to kill him. You know, they did ramp up the drama there. You know, nice fight scenes. You know, they have him on the ropes and I guess they have him off balance enough where he couldn't use his powers. But then, of course, he could. And then that was the end of that. So nice try. But, you know, which we knew wouldn't, have, wouldn't end him. But it was fun to have a little dissension in the ranks, so to speak
1: yeah and we get revealed here for sure that you know he's not in it for the cause at all right because between that and what Gaia founds finds when she gets to the base later yeah he he just does not care about saving his people it's it's just a revenge factor for him
0: yeah just all about power not about leading anything nope which we'll get to in a second yeah and then uh <clears throat> in between that nice fight scene we have another nice fight scene so a lot of nice fight scenes this episode, but that's about it. With Gaia and Vara at her house, or Fury's house, their house, whatever I call it, fending off Gravik's hit team. And you know, of course, like you do in these kind of situations, you know, you have all kinds of guns, weapons, bombs, go bags, stashed all around your house, just in case. No matter what room you're in, you can pull out a bag with all kinds of weapons <laughs> and deal with whatever comes your way. Which you know, I'm, I'm I'm all for it, even though it's cheesy, but it's still cool.
1: Yeah, I mean you, you you need to never know which room you're gonna need a gun in. So you know, just like I was mentioning earlier, you got your kitchen gun, your bridge guns, your whatever. I, and while I really enjoyed seeing the the, the fight choreography and the, the, them working together, I, I was a little distracted by how Gaia was that familiar with the weapons in the house and where everything would be, and how she just moved too smoothly for a place that she's supposedly not not been to a lot or ever. I it just felt kind of like okay, now they're bonding, and then boom, now she knows everything about the house.
0: Yeah, Yeah. well, you know, you have to give them some slack there, I guess, because, you know, look, it's a cool fight scene.
1: Right, <laughs> so, and I get it. It was It was well done.
0: Yeah, and then, uh, you know, we go back to Gravik's new plan, same plan, a different plan, I don't know, to get the U.S. and Russia to destroy the world. <laughs> so this time, I guess the final play is have the U.S. launch a strike on his own compound that's in Russia. Um, okay, and which yeah to your point yeah apparently he didn't didn't really care about them at all cuz you know he said that he would call off the strike if he got the harvest but i guess even if he wasn't attacked and killed by gaia i'm going to say that no nah, he wouldn't have called it off like he said you know he doesn't care about them all he cares about is like getting revenge against fury and the world and you know maybe you know whoever's left after everything blows up you know some scrolls will be left maybe a couple of humans. So yeah, okay. Now I'm the super scroll. I can, you know, take over the world and okay. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a plan and
1: it almost works. So, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. Except for, again, we never actually know what his target is once he's, you know, killed all of his followers. Right. I mean, is that his goal to, to take over the earth and whatever? I mean, we, all we end up with is getting the harvest, but that's, we, we don't know anything past that. So kind of, kind of diminishes his big badness. Yeah. yeah i mean you can kind of argue that maybe
0: if you know he kills everybody that was around him that knew what a what a scumbag he was that the rest of the scrolls that survive would be like oh you're a savior okay we will follow you if he still wants to do that i don't know but yeah yeah the the end game just yeah it's like just revenge and power that's pretty much all he cared about so if he's the only one left on earth fine with him i guess <laughs> and speaking of being super scrolly we get to the harvest yeah okay so here's where i started to not dislike started to not like this episode too much (laughs) (laughs) so you get as much of the dna as possible from everybody that fought in endgame which that's a lot of you know superheroes just other races that have you know natural different abilities than humans and of course the government and government labs would never do anything to misuse that (laughs) which is not a knock on real life here in the last couple of years, but yeah, it's like, come on, mess around with viruses and DNA. It's never a good thing. People haven't we really learned anything, but you know, that's how, you know, these agencies think in these kind of shows, you know, you have to have something on hand just in case one of your super powered employees or a new race pops up and it goes rogue or something. So you can try to maybe whip up something that might deal with them.
1: So, okay, fine. Government being government. I get it. Yep. that that always works out. Well, I, I, I do have one, you know, you will we'll see a, a thread here of me hoping that some threads of this come back later in other places. Cause I really want to see some outcomes that matter off of this. And I'm, I'm hoping that one of the things that we get from the harvest is assuming there's more of it left. Uh, we'll get to that next episode here in a second, but is this how we get the red Hulk? You know, when they do thunderbolts maybe is maybe some pieces of the harvest, the, the Hulk strands or something like that. Cause I think that'd be a cool way to, to, make it make this kind of affect other Marvel properties, right? Yeah, if you start kinda using it to make your own super soldiers, so to speak,
0: to deal with the other super soldiers that maybe aren't your friends anymore. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they left enough wide open here that I mean, anything's possible if they want to go with it. True. And like like you said, like end of episode five, you know, Fury's puts on the eye patch, his overcoat, you know, he gets his old favorite guns, like he's ready. He's he's now looks like, you know, old badass Nick
1: Fury, so we're ready to go for an exciting ending. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that this is definitely setting us up for some epic Fury stuff in episode six, right? It's all going to be, you know, Nick Fury, the Nick Fury show. Yeah,
0: and then we have episode six, <laughs> which was an episode of Secret Invasion. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. All right. So that's all the time we have yeah. for today. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: Although okay. I, I will give them props, though, that they did fake me out in the, if, with the beginning because I thought it was Fury going hand over the harvest like he wanted and i thought that he would have some fury way of getting out of it and not really have radiation poisoning but no it was gaia posing as fury which i guess was a good thing because i guess if the dna machine would have turned on it probably would have killed fury right so okay fine now you got two super powerful people and then the rest of the episode just kind of disappointed me after that point (laughs) Yeah, I, I can... after the first ten minutes, <laughs> that was it.
1: Yeah, I think I think as you said, that's that's like the peak, right? We hit that, we get some cool, the, the cool like, oh, that, we didn't see that one coming, and then the rest of it's like, paint by numbers. You you could you could see everything else that was going to happen.
0: Yeah, because you know we have the now that Gaia and Gravik have the same power set. Of course, now you know game on. You know, you, know, you killed my father. Prepare to die. You know, <laughs> so, and you know that's reference it, acknowledged. It, it, yeah. And that was a good fight scene. It was fun to try to watch them how to figure out how to use their powers, which kind of mostly was just what color and size could their arms turn into. But anyway, <laughs> you know, and it was fun to see, like, you know, a guy using Mantis's powers to put Gravik to sleep. And I guess as we talked about before, I guess Extremis is only good until it can't regenerate you, like if you have a giant hole in your chest. So that kind of was kind of a Quick ending to that. Although now we are left with somebody who's single handedly more powerful than any individual we've ever seen in the MCU, outside maybe The Watcher, maybe Kang, if we ever get him again. So I don't know if they thought that through all the way. I don't know if we're ever going to see Gaia again, or she's just going to kind of quietly go off into the sunset, and never to be heard of and spoken of again.
1: Yeah, to, to echo a point I think that's going to keep coming back in this conversation. I think the big question going forward is going to be: Is this really impactful? Is this show really going to do something? Is Gaia really going to be seen again? Is she going to be a major player, or is it going to be forgotten like the Celestial that's in the ocean that we saw in Eternals, right? If if anybody actually watched that, but there, there's a, there's a Celestial in the ocean. Like anyway, I don't know. I guess that's their call. Where where, where do we go from here? Yeah, or you know, or maybe
0: if you want to retcon it later, it's like you know, oh, the the scientists really didn't perfect it. It's only temporary. Okay, fine, you know, whatever. But you know, so there's ways out of it. But again, will you ever see her again? Uh, yeah, probably not. And I guess keeping on the you know on, on the hate train here. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> or folks. The, or this like sorry, if you couldn't figure it out by now, you know, this was not a stellar ending. But um, at some point in either these last two episodes, Fury, I think it tells Fallsworth or tells somebody that he won't call in the superheroes because humanity has to deal with this or it has to deal with some things on their own. Really? <laughs> the world's about to end and you know, 8 billion people die, but yeah, let's try it ourselves without my super team. I've built, you know, the last de- two decades putting together to, to handle things just like this. Let's do it ourselves. Come on people. We can get together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> come on, man.
1: Well, I mean, he, he couldn't just come out and really say that they don't want to spend the budget on it. Right. I mean, that that would have not played well. So he had to go the line that he could sell.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll go
1: with that. Best I got.
0: Yeah. And then we had to, like, you know, what, like five minutes or more of the scene drawn out with fake Rody and the president. It's like, you know, do what Fallsworth did shoot Rody from the start, and then, oh, he's a scroll. Oh, okay, call the thing off. Then, okay, got it. Or, you know, shoot him in the arm, the leg, you know, cut him so that, okay, oh, he bleeds green. He's not really Rody. Oh, okay, I got it. I'll call the strike off. No, let's drag this out for 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> It's like it kind of fell apart at the end. Like they, they they had their big battle stuff and they had like their ending. They knew what they're going to do. And like, okay, let's fill in the next 15 minutes. Like,
1: uh. which, yeah, this was probably one of the more annoying ones to me because Fallsworth, if, if there was anything positive out of this whole series to me, it's the character of Fallsworth, right? She, my favorite part of the show is, is watching her interact and just the, the actress nailed it. And I thought it was awesome. But matter of fact, I've, side note, I've, I've seen some stuff that talks about maybe she'll be part of putting together the uh, British spy. I might slaughter it. I don't know if it's MI 16, whatever it is in the Marvel universe, but their anti-superhero group thing that, and I think we, I don't even know if I remembered this until just now, but you know, she does recruit Gaia at the end. So maybe there's some potential for that to be something cool, but yeah, she was such a cool, epic part of the show, and to think that she wouldn't have just shot, you know, the scroll posing as Rhodey right off the bat and solved that whole standoff just baffles me. Yeah, I mean, like
0: she's more Fury than Fury if you look at it that way. Yeah, you know, she's been on her game the whole time, and is you know has like you know a couple steps ahead of people. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, except for maybe the owl eye thing, she's been yeah. ahead of everything this whole show. And then, you know, they just have a a standoff in the hallway of a hospital that's mostly empty.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if they keep mining more characters into the MCU, then maybe being in Britain, they might bring in like Excalibur, which was, you know, Captain Britain and his team. So maybe they can make them work for MI6 with Gaia or without Gaia, if she's still powered or not or whatever. So, I mean, there's, you know, future spinoffs they could do eventually if they want to keep going with new characters as they kind of run out of, or, you know, don't keep recasting characters as they get older in real life versus the comic books that they never age in 50 years. But, you know.
1: Yeah, Excalibur was exactly what I was looking for there. Thank you.
0: Hmm. But there were some good things in this episode. I mean, we talked about the first couple scenes. They were good. But, you know, at the end, you know, we do, it's not quite the ending I was hoping for, but, you know, we do learn that the Kree and the Skrulls are going to a peace summit. So, okay. You know, that's something nice. You know, Fury does invite his wife to go with him and they can live happily ever after. You know, he, he likes her for who she really is, not just who she looks like. So, OK, you know, he's making progress. You know, everybody's Fury getting a sensitive size, He's in touch, touch with his feelings now. OK, that's fine. We get that. That's fine. But then we're kind of left with a mess. The The president now says that all aliens, like not just the scrolls, but all aliens are a threat and they're coming for them um really so you're going to go also against the asgardians living in norway i don't think the one the ones on your premier superhero team would like that as much either you know so that's not a really good thing we got vigilantes running around killing anybody they think might be a scroll you know they got what i think at least one the the news talky guy and then i guess they did kill the British Prime Minister, who was a scroll, but then got released from being trapped in, underneath the thing and her, her brain sucked out, and then she comes back and then she gets killed. Oops, sorry. <laughs> so, you know, so we just kind of left the world in, in another mess, you know, like a whole worldwide mess. You know, we just, how many years we got over trying to heal from the snap where half the world and the universe died, but yeah, let's just toss the world back in turmoil again. So, you know, not the ending I hoped for, but. I mean, as you said before, like these TV shows aren't really resolving anything. They're just setting up future shows or future movies. And that's kind of what this seemed to do if they go forward with it somewhere. I'm not sure where, because it doesn't look like the Marvels is going to touch on this probably. So I don't know where they're going to, if they bring this back up again, where. But that's what they seem to be trying to do.
1: Yeah, the, the only takeaway I can think from that is the, as far as what's next, is the uh, feeding into maybe the next Captain America movie with with Sam. It's not New World Order anymore, is it? I, they changed it the name to Brave New World? Brave that, New World, I think. Yeah, this th- that's what I would call this th- this current status, right? Brave New World, that's what that's that's what we uh, Or oh, no, I, it is New World it is New World Order, isn't it? They they, they renamed it. I can't remember which was which. Um okay. But it, I I think that's if you said that's the actual overall problem with this show is, you know, where are they going? I, I was kind of thinking about it. And I think this would have been a great storyline, maybe if this was the first thing that we had after Endgame, right? So we come straight off of Endgame, and this sets up, you know, an entire storyline around you know, the Scroll scare, and you know, you never know who's really a Scroll, right? You've got the the Rhodey thing, right? Like we still don't know when he was taken. Was he taken after Civil War? Was he taken after Endgame? You know, what if what if Rhodey was a Scroll for like the last several movies? Uh, that that really could you know, dishevel things and and really move things around but instead they put all their focus on Kang and so this feels like kind of a yeah we're still in the middle of this big Kang storyline as the big bad of the Marvel universe but here's a here's a one off toss away storyline right just to kind of throw something off to the side look over here it is brave new world i just looked it up so
0: but yeah i mean that make sense of where they could put this because now you have the fallout you have your new world of we hate the aliens and we want to kill all of them and you know Captain America being Captain America is like hey all right, we, we're better than this let's get you know so but then again you only have a two hour movie to do that so I don't know we'll, <laughs> we'll see yeah, I that mean, goes.
1: this could have been an entire phase is I guess what I'm saying as opposed to like the middle of another phase that's got a bigger bad you know a more multiverse bad
0: yep yeah, coulda woulda shoulda hey it's a first mm. episode title anyway yeah, so. <laughs> But yeah, so I guess it's kind of up there with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of show, whereas parts of it were good, parts of it were like, why? And I guess we'll see where they go next.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that a lot of this shows long-term how I feel about it. it's going to determine what gets used. I think that's the problem. It, I don't feel like I have enough information to, to rank it, because if it's a one-off and nothing happens, then eh. If it feeds into a whole big thing and it works, then cool. Yeah,
0: because if they haven't shot or filmed or or finished writing the next Captain America movie, then maybe if this doesn't get all the attention they wanted, they'd be like, uh, "No one cares about the storyline. Let's just uh, forget this ever happened." And
1: <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Who knows? We shall see. All right. So that is the end of end of uh I was gonna say end end of Endgame, <laughs> the end of Secret Invasion. So not much new coming up as we record this to talk about next although it looks like uh, the next ahsoka or the next star wars thing ahsoka comes out in a couple weeks as we record this so gonna guess it'll just be farscape only next time but the one after that we will probably be covering the first couple episodes of ahsoka at least the first two because they're gonna drop the first two that first week so it could either be two or maybe even three i don't know we'll see but i think that's what will be coming up pretty soon
1: yeah, so I need to go start my Rebels rewatch now. Got it.
0: Yeah, because some people are calling Ahsoka uh, Rebels Season 5. Because <laughs> so, like pretty much all the cast, or at least most of the cast of Rebels, is going to be live action in Ahsoka. Right. So that should be quite fun to see how they cast them and what they look like and how they work and how they act. So it'll be fun. I hope, because Star Wars is usually fun. So we'll see.
1: <laughs> Agreed.
0: All right, so be on the lookout for that soon. You know, check the show notes, check the websites, check your downloads, and it'll be out there eventually. So, on that note, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.